1: that really cycles back around to what we talked about earlier in this discussion and knowing oneself that's one of the most valuable things that you can have in this life that we're if you just continue to go on this journey and just just continue to make decisions based on you know what's in front of you without understanding how that's going to affect you that's where I come back to that SWOT analysis. Identify your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. How it doesn't have to be a business application. How is this decision going to threat my way of living? Is it going to be an opportunity for me or is it going to,
0: you know, be something that takes me down? Hey, podcast listeners! I'm back. That's right, I'm back up in Western New York, actually the Finger Lakes of Western New York for this summer. Got a little bit of travel planned, but for the most part, I'll be exploring the various areas of both Seneca and Cuba Lake once again. This particular podcast that you're going to be listening to is with my very, very good friend, Courtney Berry, who is an educator. She is a wonderful, extraordinary woman, and her favorite wines happen to be on the sweeter side. So I thought I would suggest... Trying and one of the wineries I haven't mentioned before that's on Seneca Lake, and that is J.R. Dill. Now, the nice thing about J.R. Dill is they have a wide variety of wines that you can pick up uh, from, and just so happen to have some sweeter sides that my friend Courtney would really like. So, um, please, if you're out and about and you're just looking for a wonderful adventure, hop on over to their winery on Seneca Lake and try the variety of wines from Sweet, sweet to red and roses and white and sparklings. I think you'll really love the journey. And let me tell you, the view from there is extraordinary. In addition to recommending J.R. Dill, I'd really like to uh, make mention of a couple comments that Courtney and I spoke about today. Coming up on August 2nd, actually, I think it's going to be, the, uh, yeah, August 2nd, is autism awareness. And Courtney and I touch on that particular subject a little bit in our conversations because there's this belief that if your brain doesn't function the exact same way as everybody else's brain, then you're not normal. And as Courtney and I talk about what is the definition of normal and what if your brain doesn't process information exactly the same way, yes, it requires some coping mechanisms, but that doesn't mean that the person isn't normal. So I charge you to listen to this podcast, really absorb some of the conversation that we have and rethink your unconscious biases that you might have about people that have learning disabilities, if you want to call it that, or challenges. Thank you so much for continuing to listen to our show and we look forward to The rest of this summer and the journeys that we go on, I'll keep you posted as the Seneca Lake Wine Ambassador and the explorations that I go on. Remember, life is about events that are supported by dollars and cents.
1: You are listening to Wine and Dime, a podcast that combines two passions, wine and personal finance. Hosted by Amy Irvine, certified financial planner and owner of Irvine Wealth Planning Strategies, located in Corning, New York. And now here's your host, Amy Irvine.
0: Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is a very dear friend of mine, Courtney Berry. I call her woman extraordinaire because she has reinvented herself many times in the 10 years that I have known her. And I'm really looking forward to sharing her journey into a life that she's chosen and how rewarding she has found the changes and the adventures that she's taken. Courtney, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amy. I'm so excited about this um, this podcast recording because we often talk about... Um, you know, the influences in our lives and and just like a, you know, an influence in a vineyard. And you are certainly just a huge influence in my life. So I'm very, very, very excited to have you. And as you know, I love to start out with the famous question of what is your favorite wine? (laughs) Well,
1: first of all, you have been an amazing influence in my life. Um, that I really feel goes without saying, um, I am not a huge drinker, which I just love that we can still be friends. Um, (laughs) but if I had to narrow it down, I would definitely say a Moscato. Um, it's super sweet. Uh, it's kind of like a dessert. Uh, You can have too much of it and it'll give you a headache at the end of the day. But but it's definitely the um, beginner wine, which I think really aligns with my drinking lifestyle. So (laughs) that's what I would say my favorite is.
0: I love that. I love that you, you say it's the beginner wine. It's just, a, you know, for some people, they like it in sangria. They like it plain. You don't even have to like wine to be my friend. I just true. know me. That's <laughs> one of my favorites. So I Moscato mean, is a great, I mean, when I look back to when I first started drinking wine, it was that sweeter stuff. It's not uncommon for people to start with that sweet wine and then, um, eventually, you know, grow in their palate. And, and, and yet some people stay right. You know, right where they like it, and that's perfectly fine too. So, I'll grow in other areas. you sharing. <laughs> You'll grow in other areas well. You know, that's a perfect transition, right? Because you know that um, I can I can convert any conversation that's being had back to like a vineyard or a winery or wine making or wine growing, grape growing. You know, all of that sort of stuff. And and I really, the more that I've done this podcast, and the more that I think about life. Um, it really is a, v- a vineyard very much is like our lives because it's, we all have roots, right? Everybody has roots. We have the influences around us that help us develop the flavors that help us, um, you know, help our vines grow. It's that nourishment. I mean, it really is when you think about the core of life and the core of a vineyard, very, very, very similar. And there's all these sort of, you know, ideas that float around uh, around making a vineyard better, just like ideas about you know, making our lives better. So um, I'd love for the listeners to understand your story, Courtney, and and how it affected your financial life a little bit too, because mm-hmm. you went to college as a marketing major, Going, you know, going back to the college. But prior to that, you were raised by parents that were, one was a teacher, yes. um, one worked for a dresser. And so kind of back up to, you know, your roots and tell us a little bit about your journey, right? Definitely. So, my
1: mother was a second grade teacher. Um, she did that job for the duration of her career, not not just second grade, but through the elementary um years. And my father worked, um, started at Dresser Rand, he worked there for 41 years, which, uh, especially in today's day and age with you know how much we change jobs and whatnot, that was. In my eyes, both of them a huge accomplishment that they were a lifetime career, um, uh, lifetime career in one location. He, during that time though, started at you know the very entry level position, uh, took college courses that were offered for reimbursement through work. So very um, frugal minded on the education uh, standpoint eventually worked his way up to programmer with doing some engineering work. And it, um, you know, that's essentially where he retired, but there were so many aspects to the business that he was knowledgeable on. And he was really, um, well-renowned, uh, regarded in the working environment that he was in. And my mother very much the same way. She was, you know, a men- mentor for the newer teachers coming in, tell us your t- tricks, t- uh, tri- uh, tell us your tricks give us some tips, let us know what, you know, we can do to make our classrooms better. And having those two individuals as really, you know, role models in my life, it brought a lot of stability. It brought a lot of, um, you know, benchmarks to what I wanted in my life. Um, So, also, in high school, I absolutely loved everything. So I loved learning different things. I loved every course. Well, not every course, you know. But, <laughs> but there were so many things about um, my early education that just intrigued me. So it was very difficult for me to narrow down where I wanted to go in a profession for myself. Um, I uh, obviously, for my, my bachelor's, chose business. And I had a lot of great experiences in that realm. Um, but I just, you know, I constantly was, was striving for different things. So, you know, when you first start out in you're in your twenties, you think, well, I just need to make some money. I want to make my own money. I want independence. I want um, to establish myself and, and get life going. And then when you start to get that under your belt, you realize, my goodness, as I reflect, I'm really losing time. And that's what we talk about in our economics classes. We talk about the two scarcities of life, time and money. You can make more money, but you can't make more time. You really are limited on, you know, how much time you have in your lifespan. So it was then very important for me to find a purpose and get to a place where I had internal happiness. And that to me was my next goal. And that took a lot of soul searching. It wasn't something that I just chose on the fly or, um, I mean, it was years of thinking methodically about what I, um, could do to bring joy into my life. And so I went back to school and, uh, it wasn't an easy decision to make. I have an incredibly big support system. Um, my husband's very supportive and we had, you know, a very good heart to heart. And he really just said, you know, if you make a decision and you follow your dreams, you really can accomplish anything. And at that point in time, I felt like I had the ability to do what I wanted to do. So sometimes, yes, it depends on others' perspective of us to um, give us that oomph to make a and, and that's what he did for me. So I, I will always be grateful um, to him for that, because on a side note, I put our family unit into more debt to be able to do that, you know, and we'll talk, I'm sure, later about some of the decisions that I can make to minimize that or, um, you know, whatnot. But um, I'm sure that's a topic for later on. Um, But that was a deciding, it was also a a level in there with the decision on do I really want to take this leap because it's not only going to be time and it'll also be money that we'll be paying back in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I think is interesting for for you about that whole journey, cause I was watching it, right? I, I was the person that was kind of watching it happen from afar. I, well, not far, but watching it from yes, the outside. outside perspective, yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember, um, When you decided to go back to school, you know, you and I had a a lunch together and you were talking about, you know, I just feel the desire to teach. I feel that's, that's what I'm meant to do. And I I remember asking you the question, what's the barrier to that? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember that conversation or not, but you kind of sat back in the chair and you said, I'm afraid to pull out of what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. And and I know that you and James were talking at that point in time about different aspects of it, and and I and I said, well, you can always go back into business if you find that teaching isn't the right, you know, path for you. But education is never a waste because right. even if you choose not to to teach, um, you're going to learn those skills about teaching yeah. others by going through the education process. So yeah. you didn't quit your job to. No. You continued to work and I go back to college. Yeah, that was probably, you know,
1: uh, it was my late 20s. And so I think I still had some of that hubris in me. But was um, <laughs> <laughs> It was definitely a big challenge. My mother looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, "Oh my goodness, what are you thinking?" And I was like, "I don't know." But if I don't do it, then and so it turned out that yeah, I felt the need to continue to work full time. Um, that was a very big pi- uh, financial um, piece of it. Like I felt guilty quitting one place um, and you know going back. What if I didn't get a teaching job? What if I didn't um, have something after to go to? And then my husband who, you know, you know, didn't ask for this. We had, we had both had our education. We both were working. We were at that next stage in our lives for me to take a step back. I felt incredible guilt. Um, even thinking about quitting um, really, I think in, you know, our partnership, my husband and I, and then also financially, um, because mm-hmm. I still needed to take out, uh, you know, fast loans and whatnot mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. aid in order to pursue this goal. Um, but I'm proud of that accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it was very taxing. It was very taxing mentally, physically. Um, but the fact that I would go to those classes in the evenings and I would see my classmates and hear their stories you know and there would be one classmate that had three little kids at home that she was leaving in order to pursue this goal and I was my goodness if she can do that then you know what is my what is holding me back if Mm -hmm. I would come down off um, my my road that I live on and I would think oh I can't do this anymore I can't keep this schedule up I can't keep working on schoolwork very late at night and then turn around and work in the financial sector all day and then keep doing this. And I, I just thought to myself, what do like single mothers do that have two, three jobs just to get by and to provide for their family? I have an end date. They might not feel like they have an end date. I need to really, you know, change my attitude and just keep going and you know, at the end, looking back, I think, yeah, that was an accomplishment. Um, I'm proud of it. But there's always people that, you know, one of my friends says, if you were to throw all of your problems in a pile, would you still pull yours out? And that is one of those situations, yeah, I would have definitely pull <laughs> my problem out compared to what some people have to go through.
0: I love that. I love your friend that said that. I don't know who it is, but that's an amazing statement. Yes. Yeah. She
1: definitely helps me through a lot of, you know, perspective finding. Yeah. Heather Mercer has definitely had, um, you know, some trials and tribulations in her job searching
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, and her purpose searching. But together, I feel like we can feed off each other and, and help each other through some of those low times.
0: You know, it's interesting. I've, I've emailed or not emailed. I've interviewed a lot of people that have switched careers from something, including teaching into financial planning, um, or the financial sector. And you've done the exact opposite. And I think you're the first person that I've actually done an interview with that has gone from the financial services sector into, um, into teaching and i'm sure that there's a lot that you're especially if you're teaching an economics class that you're able to pull out of the air from that and, and apply towards that class um, now that you've gone through and you're on the other side of of that journey and you're now teaching and you're not you're you're also doing special education teaching right i mean you're you're not you're not um just high school, your special education high school. Correct. So
1: I teach, um, my certification in Pennsylvania is newborn through 12, which is, you know, when you verbalize it, it feels pretty astounding that, you know, Pennsylvania thinks that I have that <laughs> ability to impact that range. Um, but in New York, I, my, uh, certification is six through 12 and, um, well, I do have elementary as well, but that's where I really focus. And I started in middle school with behavioral ED, um, which is behavioral uh, students with behavioral disorders and emotional disturb um, classifications. And it was, it was a very big challenge for me, especially in my first role in, in education. And part of that process when I started was learning where my strengths and weak strengths and weaknesses are, you know, we do SWOT analysis in business But I was making myself do one as a person. And that really helped me with my viewpoint on where can I make the most impact? Um, So when a position opened up at the high school, I really felt a strong... Uh, forced to go out for that. So I went out for that. I was very fortunate to have um, gotten that position and what my essential in New York state, what my um, position is, is consultant teacher, 15 one. So it is a special education classification. However, I teach a lot of English classes and um, economics and participation in government. So I have the opportunity to work with juniors and seniors and These students, I think we have a preconceived notion of what special education is. My students are the same as any other student um, that's in that building. They may just have difficulties in the language area. Um, Reading comprehension might be a a struggle for them. So I am there, or a math Mm -hmm. situation. Um, But I'm there to really just support them, attempt to give them the same information that every student is receiving, maybe in a different avenue, because we're all not, you know, sterile learners, we learn different, different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really just diversifying some of that information so that my students can absorb it better. I pull so much from them, they teach me so much every day. Um, they are constantly showing me different ways of interpreting information and, um, you know, processing Uh, information that comes to us. Um, and they just, they get it. So I I think if there's one thing that we can take away, um, then special education doesn't necessarily mean one thing. My students can be hired by anybody. Um, they can do any job. They are very skilled and, and I love working with them.
0: I love that you're taking the negative connotation that goes with, and, and this is why you're so awesome. You know, so many people, when they think of special education, think of the severely disabled or handicapped, yes. right? They think of yes. that. And there are so many people out there like myself who have some sort of disability that, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're really good at masking up, but yes, but when coping strategies, yeah, yeah definitely. Right. And, and, and I was, you know, Basically, an adult, a young adult, by the time that the minor amount of dyslexia that I have was diagnosed. And I say minor because I guess that was what I was told that there's, you know, layers of severity of it, mm-hmm. but that would explain to me why in high school, I struggled so much with mm-hmm. the the comprehension side and the reading side, you know, it would take me so much longer to read something and to digest it than the factual side, like the math, Yes, math, you know what? I'm going to focus right. on that because I'm good <laughs> at that. Right. But, yeah. the, but the reading and the comprehension side, it, it, it took me a lot longer than other people. And I really had to work hard at it. Like I could never figure out why does math come so hard to me versus, you know, the reading, the comprehension Well, they're different Mm -hmm. frames of the brain. Right. And so, so I love that you're, you're changing that, that stigma that goes with that because it, it is really critical that people understand it and, and understand that it just, there's options that when when we do have uh when our minds do work slightly different than the quote unquote normal mind that there are mechanisms for us to be able to um adjust right and and i still am a slow reader and i and i have to take it in increments and i know that about myself now but you know it does help when you say okay i'm only going to read this much at this point in time and then i'm going to reflect on it right so it makes things work quicker Absolutely. And I think you are
1: an amazing success story, because even though you know that that is something that you're working on, you are so incredibly successful, you know, in your field with all think about all of the certifications you've taken all of the tests that you've had to, to complete to get to that point that you're at, you know, and all of the degrees that you hold, that is proof right there that it doesn't essentially matter where you're coming from, you can achieve anything that, you know, you put your mind to. Oh,
0: thank you. I have to tell you something. I have a, um, I've been asked to speak for the, the YWCA's events in, in in June. So anybody listening, if they're in the Corning Elmira area, uh, June 5th is a great fundraiser that you really want to, um, go to if you want to hear me talk a little bit more about this. But one of the things that I joke a little bit about, and I don't mean to like, you know, poo-poo it or, or, you know, say that it isn't a serious problem, but I do joke about the fact that, you know, that's the reason why for so long, it's, it's that slight dyslexia that I have that I always thought no meant on. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, <laughs> that if you look in the mirror, right? If you look in yes. the mirror, and you see what the words what the word "no" means backwards. It means "on." Yeah. And I joke with people about that, you know, because people people are like, "Oh my gosh, is she joking about that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I am." Because for for me, it was like, "All right, I know that I learn slow. I know that I have this, but no, doesn't mean." it doesn't mean that I can't do it. And I'm such right. a determined egg that, yes. you know, when somebody <laughs> says no to me, I'm like, oh, did you mean on?
1: <laughs> no. Oh, did you mean you want me to challenge
0: myself? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I, I do agree that, you know, yes, it might take us a little bit longer. And yes, it might um, be a little bit more challenging than... How the normal brain operates, but that doesn't mean that we can't achieve great things, and we yeah. shouldn't be, you know, discarded. You are spot on. So, shifting gears just a little bit. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for sharing your journey because I just think it's so amazing. And I think you know, talking about the risk that you took um, because you were in your late twenties, you did have a, a, a reputation in the in the business world. Of, fabulous reputation in my book
1: and you you have such a
0: skill set between the compliance work that you did and the marketing work that you did. Um, You know, I, I, shifting gears was scary, right? It was something that you, you had to deal with the fear associated with it and the influence around you to make that decision and sport you already mentioned. Um, And and the financial consequences that were looking you straight in the face to say, if, if, if I make this decision, here's the, here's what it's going to look like financially. Mm -hmm. Um, boy, this better work, but there was enough courage there and enough support that you felt this was worth the financial risk associated with it. Now, knowing you and knowing how organized (laughs) you like to be, I'm guessing you probably did a pro and con list, didn't you? Oh, one. Um, (laughs) I think that there was a color-coded
1: spreadsheet in there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, we were a few um, computer applications short of an access file. Um, um, I love that. I love that. In one mindset, it was exhilarating. I was so energized at an opportunity in a parallel mindset, it was terrifying. (laughs) Because there it wasn't just me. I was an adult now. So it wasn't my parents helping me. It was a completely different uh, environment Mm -hmm. for me to step out on that edge. Um, So yeah, there was a Mm -hmm. lot of investigating what is this going to look like? Um, Where am I going to go to do this? What's my best financial option? How do I then mitigate my risks? So in that con list, which, as you know, just turns into a to do list. (laughs) I then turn that into okay, if this is something that's going to be a barrier for me, then what do I do to mitig- mitigate that risk? Where do I find information? What choices can I make to make this an easier um, you know, transition? What is it really that I have to know to make this happen for myself? And if it's something that I can't fix, I can't you know cross out the risk, if it's something that's really going to stop me from happiness in the future, then I know that this isn't the right path for me. But everything kind of fell into place, which was a sign to me that, you know, this is where you're supposed to be going. This is, this is going to lead you to a more impactful life. This is going to lead you to more opportunities in the future to find happiness and to, to grow joy. So I, um, you know, did all of those avenues, met with the university, really wanted the quickest way uh, to get that certification in order to teach. And so, of course, I'm immediately saying, well, I only need a few classes if I become business certified. And so I get there and there's another barrier. And they say, well, we don't have a business certification. If you were to want that avenue, then you would need to go to, you know, downstate Pennsylvania, further up in, in New York. And it was a logistical um, conundrum. Mm. So then it turned into that will affect another con on my list, which is not going to be okay. So I said, well, what are the other avenues that would give me, you know, and I have uh, family members that are severely impaired or, you know, would have been in a special education program. And she brought up, you know, this is a great way to utilize your background knowledge, but also, um, you know, get certification and help an entire segment, uh, segment of people, um, a whole population. So that then got my wheels turning even faster (laughs) because I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I could still teach this content that I'm very passionate about, feel knowledgeable about, have a comfort level in, But I could help this whole segment of the population that hadn't, you know, even occurred to me that I would have an opportunity to to be able to do something like that. And then also it's mitigating even more risk because it's more employable um, certification then. Yeah. So I was like, again, Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: not even a window, but a French door is opening (laughs) (laughs) with an opportunity that was just more neon signs saying, go for it. This is what you have to do. Um, I expedited the process. I started as quickly as I could. I, uh, went to school full-time year round. Uh, I essentially am two classes away from a whole nother bachelor's degree in addition to my master's. So it was quite a um, whirlwind of uh, almost three years, but because of that, you know, gusto or or wherever I was pulling that from, I fell under the um, timeline of uh, specific certification requirements change. So, and the university to which I attended uh, was was phasing out those certification programs. So, because of my specific timing, I was able to finish in a certain um, time frame, which also afforded me this easier, essentially pass to obtain this than the people that that completed it a semester after me. So all of these, looking back, all of these signs were so incredibly clear. And of course, as I'm sifting through the dust, uh, you know, of my whirling dervish trying to to get this um, accomplished, when I look back after the dust has settled, I'm like, wow, there were so many things happening simultaneously to aid me in this venture. It's, it's really, it's really just, I'm overwhelmingly grateful.
0: Yeah. Well, I love how positive you are as a person. That's one of the things that, um, uh, always attracts me to you is that, you know, a fireball can be putting, being thrown at you and you're like, Oh, well, here's a snowball. <laughs> you know it's Let's no big deal. Scores. I'll just put it out with a <laughs> snowball. Um, the, the fact that you said, you know, the, the not only did a window open, but a French door opened, that is typical Courtney. That is, mm. that is who I, I know you to be and why I love you so much. And, and I think, you know, a lot of times with, like I said, the influence in the vineyard, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, knowing your, knowing your mom and dad, there's like, they're almost like left brain, right brain, brain yes. people, um, you know, <laughs> <Definitely>. and <laughs> I'd I be curious to know, like, in that whole decision process, um, because when I, when I mean, people, half the listeners might not even know what an access database is, which <laughs> that's why <what> was <it's> cracking <laughs> me up, but, um, you know, when somebody's thinking about going back to college, and they have color-coded spreadsheets and multiple, <laughs> you know, <laughs> pro and con lists, which again is another reason why I love you, um, is you know, t- tell me a little bit about the influence that your parents had on you, because you know, as a kid, to kind of grow in this direction and and build on that with regards to the financial decision that you had to make around this time, you know, did did they help? talk you through it or as a kid did you have that influence um so yeah you are
1: spot on with the the left brain right brain um thinking processes <laughs> um I kind of joked because you uh, you know I think it's public knowledge you had sent me some uh questions that we were going to go off from um and mm-hmm. one of the things you you had said something you know equate it to a vineyard And I just say, you know, my vineyard isn't a straight line. I don't know if the the farmer was drinking the stock while he was planting. I don't don't know exactly what was happening. I mean, there's multiple um, there's multiple crops growing. Um, (laughs) And I think think that really comes down to um, the the dynamics that that I grew up with. My um, parents were both incredibly supportive at every single one of my sporting events, every one of the music events that I took part in. Um, my mom had a great schedule, obviously, that aligned with me with teaching. Um, so she was a huge influence in my life because she was there and she was constantly you know, pushing me to be the best that I could be. And then my dad was uh, didn't have the same working schedule. However, he was always... You know, even the track meets start before he would have gotten out of work. He was still there, and the sacrifices at the time that they were making, um, you know, are are obviously lost on a high schooler because there's Mm -hmm. just very little perspective there. I was grateful, but um, you know, the magnitude of that what to which they were doing for me was um, was incredible. So that was a huge component into my um, changing of my lifestyle. My husband and I, you know, wanted to start a family. And the thought process of having a child with the work schedule that I had was Mm. very upsetting to me, because I just thought, would I be able to be the parents that my parents were to me? And the answer always came back, no. Um, And so that was, they were still in my thought process when I was going through this, um, you know, pro and con phase, but to some of the pieces that, that you were saying prior, uh, as a kid, I was never included in money conversations. I think that that's never, I think that that's a generational thing. Um, like not at all. My mother would have said, um, money is a private matter not to be discussed. And so, (laughs) And so that, um, to which I understand I, I, I may have been a loose mouth, um, early child. So, so I can see where her, you know, thought process was, but, um, even actually to my sophomore year in college, I went to our, um, credit union that my, my father, um, had always dealt with because it was kind of attached to dresser and it was first heritage, Um, and I walked in on my own accord and opened up a checking account and my thought process was plain and clear. I'm going to be living off campus and I'm going to need to pay my roommates for utilities. But that, you know, to me, it was very cut and dry, black and white. But when I went home with a checkbook, my mom was, what are you doing? And so, yeah, no, the, the talk of money matters was not in our household, Um, like an open subject. And, you know, I see where they were coming from. I I don't count it as a fault. I think it's a generational thing. However, I think Mm -hmm. it's difficult because you're not learning that in school. Now, granted, I wasn't learning that in school. I definitely teach it in my courses now. (laughs) It is a learning opportunity that I pounce on um, as many times as I can. So, our, um, young adults, uh, you know, aren't always getting that at home. And that's something that we, you know, need to, to constantly be thinking, when can we interject savvy money choices? When can we interject, um, you know, a, a good decision versus a poor decision. And there have definitely been numerous mistakes that I have made along the way. And I continue to make mistakes. Um, you know, we, we, there's so many things out there that um can pull at our heartstrings for you know donations or for uh extra purchases we live in a a very materialistic environment and sometimes it's difficult to say nope i don't need that or you know yes i can afford that i've worked hard and saved for it and um so i've definitely made mistakes along the way you know i've fallen into the credit card card trap um, you know, we've obviously our, your twenties are a, a big loan decade because you're, you're looking for a home, you're, um, putting all of your, uh, your, uh, education loans together and consolidating you're purchasing the reliable adult car. So <laughs> there's always things, these big purchases that are, that are warranted, but it, but it does put you in a, a debt, um, scenario when you're starting your life brush. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. How do you think you will do with Miles? What do you think that you'll incorporate in raising him around, you know, the money conversation? Cause you teach yes. it in your classroom. So how will you bring that into your house? Um, this
1: is a constant um, conversation that my husband and I have. He already has a savings account. Um, again, he, we have a, a great, support system, our family members, our friends have, you know, valued the savings aspect. So we do for, you know, special occasions, we do um, put that money into a savings account. But my dear, dear, dear friend, Amy Irvine has set him up with a 529. And that is, of course, in the educators, you know, viewpoint, the more important piece. So when he gets so much in a savings account, I send it into the 529. And my hopes is that, you know, that grows into something that will aid him in his 20s that will be less of a burden for him. Um, So that kind of combats that debt to income ratio when you're starting out. However, there is a real concern that I have, especially in, you know, today's society that we just think that we can, get and have anything we want. He's an only child. He's the only grandchild on my side. And it is incredibly difficult not to just get him things all the time. And that mm-hmm. equates to me to the financial piece. If you're impulsive and you think that you can just continue to, to pick something up every time you go out, that is money slipping through your hands. So when he gets older and the cognitive piece is there stronger, it's definitely mm-hmm. going to be something that we're going to have open conversations with. Um, just understanding that this toy is this amount, and then, then you spend that amount, you don't have that for something else. So the opportunity cost and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I, I love, because um, when my nephews were down visiting this this winter, um, they huh, the grandma gave them a Christmas present Um, of some spending money while they were down here. Mm -hmm. And so every time they would say, oh, I want this. And I'd say, is that how you want to spend your money? And then Mm -hmm. they would stop for a second and they would be like, "Mm, maybe not. (laughs) And so they only spent, um, so they got $200 each and they actually only spent about $80 of that money each because you know I kept asking them that question every time. Is that how you want to spend your money? And they Mm -hmm. would... Just for a moment, stop and hesitate Mm -hmm. and say, well, maybe that's not how I want to spend my money. Right. And, you know, ended up being, you know, not spending quite as much. But if I had done it every single time they, they said that, I'm sure they would have blown through that $200. No problem. Right. But it was, it was something that, um, was an interesting exercise. And I also for, for, um, It was fun. I also did, it was the 50th episode of the show. So I recorded it with them and it was, oh Mm -hmm. my gosh, I laughed so stinking hard listening to (laughs) it, re-listening to it, even during the process of it. But one of the things that I asked them was like, what did Aunt Amy teach you about money? And it was amazing what Mm -hmm. those boys have absorbed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was amazing. And they, you know, one of my nephews said, well, that money doesn't grow on trees. And I just (laughs) kind of (laughs) chuckled.
1: My students would say,
0: but it is made of paper, which comes from trees. Thanks. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And the other one said, which was, I just, I thought it was so insightful from somebody who's 14 years old was that Mm -hmm. there's not an infinite supply of it. Yes. Yeah. It's scarce. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, Uh that's wow. You know, that blew me away a little bit. So I'm always intrigued. Yeah. I'm, I'm always intrigued with, you know, what kids absorb. And if you think that they're not listening, they are. Oh, they're always listening. (laughs) For better or for worse, they're listening, Amy. (laughs) (laughs) I I was amazed. And, you know, I, for me, that was just, that was an enlightening moment because Mm. I just, um, it, it, it really warmed my heart because I'm like, okay, they get that they get that, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and with just a little more development, they're yeah. really going to understand it.
1: And you saying the same phrase to them while they were in that mental state of making a decision is then going to transition into their internal voice. So mm-hmm. when they reach for something, because you instilled that phrase. They're going to say, is this really how I want to spend that? Mm. And, you know, whether you're there or not, the impact that you made during that visit will stay with them and help them make stronger, more educated choices in the future.
0: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. So I promised that I'd try to keep this to 45 minutes because I know you have a little boy that you want to get to. And we're actually recording this on a Saturday morning. So she was so kind to to give part of her morning away. Um, But I want to know, you know, in this whole transition um, that you've made in your life and and how you've reinvented yourself several times, actually, uh, was there any... um, advice that you were given that you thought was really good and any advice that you were given that you thought was really maybe not so good? <laughs> um, one of the best financial
1: uh, advice that I've received is make small changes to better your situation. I am a person that as soon as I made that goal, I just wanted to be there. I just wanted to get to the end of it. I just wanted. And when you look at it through that lens, it's so overwhelming. It's so unattainable and it's so frustrating. But when I say, okay, this week I have got to write this paper. I've got to research this. I've got to, and I make a list of three things. Then I am able to tackle you know, this huge elephant one bite at a time. So that is, you know, some of the best, um, advice that I had had, you know, years ago, but I never put it into application. I never, I never actually practiced it until I was so overwhelmed with this unattainable goal. And I was like, I have, it's going to happen. I'm going to make this happen. How do I make this happen and also keep my sanity? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and then that's when the chunking piece came out. And then that's transferable to my students. So when I look at them and they have a, a regions test that has 50 multiple choice questions and two essays to write, that's more work than i would chunk for them in, you know, a 2 week time span in a classroom setting, but i'm going to ask them to do that in five, you know, 3 to 5 hours. Um, so, you know, how do we tackle this? How do we get through this? Cuz that 3 or 5 hours is going to go by whether we're doing something or not. So, how are we going to get to the 3 or 5 hour mark and have accomplished this? And so, um, just really kind of using that mm-hmm and actually applying it, it just made things so much easier to do. And it made my mind so much clearer. Um, so that was, that was super helpful information mm-hmm. that I was given. Um, some of the worst financial advice and um, my best friend, Amy, <laughs> um, I went to, it was not from her mind you. I went to uh, a uh, funds for women um mm-hmm. Uh, course, and there was so much information in there that was so helpful. And then there was this woman who was lovely, but she made the comment, "Save half your income." And at that point in time, you know, I was not making a high dollar amount. I was starting out in the realm of independence, so there was the house payment and the car payment and the education payment and food, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was thinking to myself. How on earth could I save half my income? How is that even possible? And at that point in time, I found myself at a crossroads. Do I shut down and I, do I not take any more information? Or do I box this information up and put it someplace else for possibly a later date when I'm in a different financial setting? And to me, that information kind of made me feel like this person was out of touch with reality. Not everybody can, yeah, can yeah. save your income. And when you make a comment like that, you're really exiling mm-hmm. a good portion of the population. Yeah. Um, so to me, that, that day was so beneficial on so many levels. And then there's the snippet that could have shut me down and, and made me not absorb all the other information. But instead, I, I, I boxed it away. I'll remember it. And hopefully, you know, in a decade or two, that'll be a realistic goal for me. That'll be something that, you know, I could I could use later on. But for right now, that's, that's a really poor financial advice for me. Well, you know,
0: I'm, I'm, I remember that because it was event, uh, There were a, a group of us that were founding Fund for Women members that put that event on. And um, yeah. I remember you and your mom attended that event. And I remember that woman saying that comment, and I remember all of us sort of came back and said, if you can do that, that's great. Yeah. But realistically, shoot for 10%. Yeah. Ideally, 15. But you know, it also depends on your other circumstances. Right. So the 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 issue that I'm not to get too far down the road on this, but you know, the issue that I have with general statements like that and, and, and why I feel that it isn't great advice um, is because your exact emotion uh, to that is, is why I don't like it because mm-hmm. I will never be able, it's, it's kind of like the dieting world. Yes. Right. Yes. It, it, it is. If I have to cut this out 100%, what do you want? You want that one thing that you have to cut out. If if I say to somebody, um, you know, you need to lose 50 pounds, you know, equating it to 50 Mm percent, then, you know, that number is daunting. Yes. And, And we've all done this. Well, I shouldn't say all I'm making a general statement, but I know I have, I've gone on diets before and I'm like, well, I blew it. So I'm just going to blow it the rest of the day. And really, really, when we talk about that savings rate of a 50% of your paycheck, it's the same thing. Well, if I can't do, you know, if I can't do 50, I can't do any right. And you know, a dollar a day is huge. I, I don't care what it is. I just did a class with kids where we um, did a, um, a save. You know, how to save money with kids, right? And we did. Mm-hmm. We took um, three cups and we decorated them. Um, spend, save, give, right? And and they decorated the cups the way that they, you know, like what would they want to give? Like what is their favorite charity? And they kind of decorated the cup with that. Um, Charities sort of emblem and you know ideas around that charity, and then the give or I'm sorry, and then the spend is something that they really, um, that they really enjoy. Like we talked about all the different things that they love to do and spend money on, and, and they wrote those on the spend cup and on the save cup. We talked about what really big item you know do you want and then we had them research like the cost of that and how long it was going to take for them to save that and we put that on the save cup and how excited they would be when they actually bought it because how badly they wanted all of that and they the thing about that was that when you know when we were talking to the kids about it they they were like so so it's going to take me 6 weeks of allowance or a year of allowance or You know, 12 weeks of allowance to save, you know, if I want to spend my money this way. Mm -hmm. But what if I chose not to spend my money on this particular item on this particular week or for the next six weeks and I put it in this the save bucket? How much quicker could I actually get that item that I really, really, really love? So right. it's a great example, but it was about breaking it down into realistic numbers mm-hmm. and not about the big, say, 50%. So thank you so much for sharing that because it gave me a wonderful platform to. Yes. <laughs> I love that experiment. I love that
1: experiment with the kids because they can physically and visually see, you know, yeah. the magnitude of the time and money. Yeah. Yeah. And to go back to that, to that 50% just really quickly, if you're able to save 50% of your income, that would make, you know, if James and that, my husband and I made the same amount of money, that would mean that, you know, if I didn't save, which, which is not what we're here to talk about, but if I didn't, then what also is your balance with time? If I'm able to save mm-hmm. that dollar amount and I live so well within my means, then I can go and I can do something different with my time. And, you know, sometimes we forget about that, getting caught up in in a money um, cycle. And we, you know, this is definitely, if I were to put life in, you know, decades, this is definitely my teens and twenties. It was all about the money. And then as Mm -hmm. I, you know, grew and time seemed a little bit more valuable to me, then my actions changed in coordination to what i wanted to do with my time versus you know mm-hmm. how can i be be smarter with my money so that i have time to be able to do something different
0: i just had a conversation with a young man that i'm mentoring he's in the financial planning profession and he called me and said i've got this opportunity that i think i could make probably about 50,000 more a year than what my business is currently generating And he said, but it would require me, you know, like giving up my business. I wouldn't be a a solo owner anymore. I'd have to join this other firm. And I said, Mm. are you unhappy with the, with the money that your business is generating? And he said, no, not really. I said, then why are you even considering this? Right. You're giving up your time. You're giving up your autonomy. You're giving up your, um, flexibility, you know, Will this company that you're considering joining, will they be okay with you taking a snow day because your kids got, Mm -hmm. you know, because school got canceled? Will they be okay with you, um, you know, having complete flexibility with your charitable inclinations within the community? Mm -hmm. You know, if they're not going to be okay with that, if they're going to control that, then I think is it, you need to then ask your question, is that money, that additional money that you would be making worth it? Right. Is it going to bring happiness to your life? And he, you know, took a really deep breath and he said, yep, I need to do some more thinking. <laughs> and I said, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, that's one thing that I say, like right now I, I say jokingly that I'm unemployable because mm-hmm. for me to go out and work for a company right now. Right. Right but nobody's going to be happy because you know i'm so used to um they there done you know, being, that right Amy? <laughs> right right and and i'm so used to like you know i'm an early morning person mm-hmm. so i get up early i get work done but you know i don't want to like you know my mind shuts down mm-hmm. in the evening and so but then there are periods of time where i'm really focused and i can get the work done and no, but nobody's telling me right. when to do that I do it when I want to be doing it. And I know that the job has to get done. And my clients always are, are very, very important to me in my life. And, and and I get to work with some of the best people because I get to choose that. And, and there are people that I have met that I've said, um, you know what? I actually think one of the other planners would be a better fit for you. I just think your personality and your, in what you're looking for, and you know the amount of um, interaction that you're requesting is really better suited for one of the other planners that works on our team. But I get to do that now, and so for me to go back to the world of working in a corporation or working for another company, I just don't. It wouldn't work. I don't think I'm employable, and I don't care if somebody offered me, you know more money, if, if, as long as I'm meeting my bills mm-hmm. and the company is stable, then it's not, like you said, it's not about that anymore. It's about making sure that there's a, a happiness. I mean, you get to be in your forties, touching 50 almost. You think, you think life is important yeah. right now. And, and it, it really yeah. is. I mean, you're, you're watching miles grow. You, you're there, oh, for yeah. him, but it starts to look, a little Uh different. Well, and that that really
1: cycles back around to what we talked about earlier in this discussion and knowing oneself, that's one of the most valuable things that you can have in this life that we're, if you just continue to go on this journey and just, just continue to make decisions based on, you know, what's in front of you without understanding how that's going to affect you. That's where I come back to that SWOT analysis. Uh, identify your strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. How it, it doesn't have to be a business application. How is this decision going to threat my way of living? Is it going to be an opportunity for me or is it going to, you know, be something that takes me down? It, is it play to my strengths of being a morning person and utilizing the time when I'm mm-hmm. most effective and then allowing myself you know, downtime when I need it. Um, Or, you know, Mm -hmm. that is, I teach a life skills class. And it's not life skills in the in the avenue where a lot of people think, oh, these people need to learn how to brush their teeth or bathroom or or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. how do I read a mortgage document? How do I yeah. navigate a bus system if I'm not interested in getting a driver's license? How do I make yeah. healthy choices at the grocery store? How do I do unit pricing, which is my favorite? Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, which so, such important information. Such important. Well, taxes, I mean, just
1: basic, uh, basic, w- how do I navigate the world around me as an adult?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when you... You know, in that process, we start out the very first thing we do, we do a personnel, um, a personality uh, inventory. So they decide, you know, what kind of person am I? Am I introverted? Am I extroverted? What job choices really play well to mm-hmm. those? Story? And is is what I'm thinking about doing? Is that really going to be something that will bring me happiness? And then we talk about learning process. How do I learn? Am I visual, auditor? Like, is there a way that I can maximize my opportunity to absorb information? And then we talk about, we even do a career cluster. So what is that going to mean to me? If I click seven things that I like in this one box and it says, wow, I, I would be a, a really great electrician, mm-hmm. then, you know, is that an avenue that I've even thought about as a possibility for Um, I think the understanding of your own strengths and weaknesses can be one of the biggest things that you can give yourself, Mm um, is earlier the better.
0: Well, you know, I want to, um, I I know I need to end this podcast here pretty soon, but I want to just hone in on something that you said over and over again. And I don't even know if you realized that you did it, but one of the things that you were talking about, was focusing on the strengths, focusing on the strengths, focusing on the strengths. Mm-hmm. A SWOT analysis includes the word weakness in it, but what you repeated back was focusing on the strengths. And one of the things that I um, really think is important about that life skill end of, of things, and some of the things that I see in working with people, you know, when they come to me, they're they're looking to to make a change for some reason. And a lot of times it's tied back to the career. And one of the things that I find is that people made a job change based on this perception or, or people made Mm -hmm. a selection based on this perception. And then they've gone through a review process or something like that. And, um, the supervisor or manager has focused on the weaknesses Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on, the strengths. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really, really, really important to take a step back. And I, and I encourage people to challenge, um, when that happens, challenge the process, because I, I just did a podcast on a different, different podcast. And, and I was asked a question around, you know, being a, being a, a coach or a manager or whatever you want to call it. And one of the things that I said that I've learned in the course of my career is that if we focus on weaknesses, we'll never get to the strengths. We'll never, Mm -hmm. we'll never develop the strengths. We'll never Mm -hmm. embody the strengths. And everybody's going to always be frustrated because all we're focusing on is trying to improve something that we're not strong with to begin with. And the analogy that I use. The analogy that I used was, I enjoy jogging, but I will never, ever, 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 and if you didn't get that, ever, be (laughs) a five minute runner. Like I'll never mm-hmm. run a mile in five minutes. Even if a bear's chasing me, it's not going to happen. I'm not built that way.
1: You, you know? just have to run faster than Brent if a bear is chasing you. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so. but, but I will never be that fast. And it doesn't matter how much you focus on that weakness. I will never be a five-minute runner. So focus on my strength of I'm out there, I'm jogging, I'm You know, focus on the form, focus on the fact that I'm getting exercise, focus on that strength, and that strength will become better. Right. So don't try to change something that I'm just never naturally inclined to do, but try to to improve what I am naturally inclined to do. And that strength is your gift to give. Like, that's what you should be
1: focused on. That's where you... Are you are given this this opportunity. So rather than push that aside and try to bring every other aspect of your, your life up, focus on, yeah, definitely. I love that.
0: So I do need to wind this down because uh, listeners um, are, are, I try to always do this in 45 minutes, but I never succeed. But I'm sure that <laughs> listeners are wanting to know my final three questions or the answers to your to my final three questions. Okay. Courtney, what is the, the definition of success to you? Okay. So definition of success to
1: me has changed all along my life thus far. So I do believe it is in the eye of the beholder. I once thought it was about a a dollar amount and that would make me successful or not. And then I thought it was about how I was utilizing my time. And now I'm at a point where how is it impacting others? And I think it really depends on the person. And I think that success can change along the way. And, you know, the more you know, the better you'll be. And until you know more on top of that, and then you continue to be better. So um, I think success, success is ever changing.
0: How about what feeds your soul?
1: Uh, Well, you know, about two and a half years ago, this ginormous whirlwind came into my life. And he, my son, Miles, is definitely what feeds my soul. So when life gets hectic and you feel like you're not getting over barriers, if you just get back to ground zero and think about everything that's going on with him, that just fills my cup right to the brim.
0: Yeah, he's such a cutie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think so, too.
0: <laughs> I think it's mommy and daddy, for sure. A little mm-hmm. bit of both of you. I just mm-hmm. he's a cute little boy. <laughs> <laughs> are, there, are there any, if you could pick, you know, like one piece of advice that you'd give the listeners, what would it be?
1: Well, I have two. I couldn't narrow it down. Excellent. So, um, my, my first one, I I think really goes from where I have found success and joy in my life and it is trying new things. Um, my Nana, who is incredibly, yes, she's incredible, incredibly huge part of my life. Even now that she's passed, like I still reflect on conversations that we've had and, uh, and just ways that she's made me feel in my life. And she once told me when I was in school, I had, had gone to visit her when I was in, in high school, I had gone to visit her. And I said, Oh, I just can't wait for this, you know, test to be over. And I can just stop with this. And, and she said, she said, well, Courtney, you're never done learning. You know, I, even now I'm still learning. And that changed my viewpoint from that moment on to take, new things that are coming into my life as opportunities. So please try new things. Um, If I hadn't jumped right into the education world seat first, I wouldn't have the mental health and happiness that I have now. And I wouldn't have the access to um, impact others like I do. So I cherish that opportunity every day. um, And that's from trying new things. And my second piece is every day is a new day. So if you wake up focused on one positive act a day, which doesn't seem like a daunting task, by the end of your life, you'll be able to look back and feel really good about the impact that you've had.
0: Well, you certainly are a huge impact on my life. And I know, uh, having been to your classroom and watching the interaction there, I know you're a huge impact on the students' lives. Thank you. And I can't wait to see... The impact that you have on Miles' yeah. life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My best project ever.
0: <laughs> we want to thank you uh, for joining us and have one final fun little question that we like to ask. And so that the listeners know, Courtney and I actually went to a Zach Brown concert together a few years back. <laughs> And um, I lost my phone during that little. <laughs> and Courtney got to see the psychotic person in me. <laughs> um, and I do mean psychotic. Like, I got to use, not sleep. I
1: got to use my de-escalation tactics. How do I de-escalate this she situation?
0: Sure <laughs> she sure did. So, um, uh. In addition to uh, spending time with friends and family and sharing a glass of Moscato with them, Mm -hmm. is there um, any other things that you like to pair with your wine, as long as it's not the, you know, need to implement de-escalation skills?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love sweet I love all kinds of food. I know that the the basic of the question was, what's your favorite food to pair with it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably to one of my faults, um, I'm not really too picky <laughs> on things that, that I would love to pair with a, a great glass of Moscato, um, but really absorbing the incredible people in my life, including you. Mm.
0: Thank you. The Aww. best. Well, thank you so much for agreeing to do this on a Saturday morning and taking time away from that little project that you <laughs> mentioned. <laughs> and um, I hope the rest of the school year goes well. And um, we just it was such a pleasure uh, spending time with you today. Thanks again, Courtney. Thank you,
1: Amy, for this opportunity. And that will about do it for this week's episode of Wine and Dime. You can visit Amy on the web at IrvineAdvise.com, or you can follow her on Twitter at Amy Irvine Advise, or on her Facebook page, Irvine Wealth Planning Strategies. If you have any questions, comments, or topics that you would like to hear about, feel free to contact us through Twitter or Facebook. We will do our best to answer your questions. We would love to hear from you, and thank you for listening.